I was so worried about the emails I might get in and being focused on responding quickly that I lost sight of the forest for the trees. I was focused on responding to individual emails without realizing the impact that it was having on my actual ability to do my work. Welcome to the 53rd episode of the Leader Rising Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Paul Carvanis. We're here for those of you who want to live all out, who want to leave it all out on the table, squeeze every last drop out of life that they can, who want to live, love, create, play, who have a real passion for life. If that sounds like you, you're in the right place. So a number of years ago, I was a junior lawyer. I had just left the firm. I was working in-house in a new job. And some of the habits that I picked up at the firm were still there. Um, I had had this uh, expectation, whether externally imposed or internally imposed. I, at this moment, honestly cannot remember. But I had this expectation that I respond to every email like pretty darn fast. You know, like sometimes an hour to respond to an email took too long. And so it got to the point where I was actually really nervous during the day. I was constantly waiting for this email to come in, any email, and so that I'd be ready, ready to respond to it. But because I was dedicating so much of my mental resources to being ready for this email, constantly checking, is there an email like that? Is there an email in my inbox? Is there an unread email? Is there any new email? that it kept knocking me out of the ability to actually concentrate. And so when I'm not concentrating, I can't actually do any deep work that requires any thinking. I can still respond to emails that don't require thinking, like, yes, I can attend that meeting. No, I cannot. Yes, I will do that tonight. I will get it for you tomorrow morning. You know, this and that. But the actual emails that require me to sit down and think about something, I couldn't do because my mind was constantly going back to my inbox. It got to the point where, you know, if there wasn't some urgent closing that was going on, which, you know, took all of my attention, I wasn't actually able to get any work done until after 5 p.m. It's like my day, my work day started at 5 p.m. But it wasn't like I was just doing nothing before that. I was still in the office. So I was working all over the place, even though my billable hours didn't reflect that. You see, there was something about 5 p.m. where I felt that the expectation for responding to an email changed. Like you didn't have to respond within an hour. It was as long as you responded that night, it was okay. So after five, I was able to stop thinking about what was in my inbox and instead just sit down and concentrate on whatever it was I needed to work on. And if you're starting to work at five, you know, you could still work for seven hours and still leave at midnight. And seven hours is a huge work day. So I was still able to get a lot of work done, but for my quality of life, it was you know, not the greatest outcome. And then I remember I switched over to a new job in-house and I still had this approach to working, but the new workplace didn't require it as much. People were a little more forgiving if I didn't respond immediately, or at least I had the expectation that people were more forgiving. 
which I think is actually a reflection that I probably was incorrect uh, in a lot of the cases about, about how much leeway I had beforehand. But anyway, here I was, new job, f- feeling like I had a little more leeway in which to respond so I could actually take more time to concentrate. And yet, for some reason, I just couldn't. There were certain things I just couldn't dedicate the time to. And so I remember after a few months, I was starting, things were starting to pile up, but I was still, I was trying to make this work for me. I was trying to leave at the end of the workday and not start my workday at five. And so I would leave by like six, six thirty every day, which, you know, for a lawyer, especially a junior lawyer on Bay Street, which technically my company was on, wasn't that bad. Right, but yet these these things were building up, and so I remember one Sunday I went in there and just uh, there was a, a buildup of stuff I just couldn't get done because I kept leaving at six and I wasn't like fully efficient beforehand. And I just sat down for three hours and I probably sent twenty different emails on fifteen different files, like really just churned through a ton of stuff. And it was funny because the three hours of purely focused work probably would have taken me a day, maybe two solid days outside of it. There, the stat that I've heard about people who really get into flow, executives who get into flow, are five times more productive when they're in their deepest flow state than when they're not in a flow state at all. That's it. And a minute spent in flow is the same input as a minute spent out of flow, and yet the output is is a 5x difference. So how do you get into flow? Well, there's a ton of different answers to that. By and large, it seems the things in common are you, you got to focus, you got to concentrate, you got to remove distractions that stop you from focusing and concentrate, and you got to train your mind to do it. You know, it's a muscle that that builds and gets stronger over time. So anyway, I was able to do that on the weekend, and I was able to just churn out so much work. And I remember my boss um, feeling bad that I had gone in on a Sunday. Yeah, I think they were happy with me there. They wanted to keep me there, and they didn't want me working on Sundays if I didn't need to be. And I remember just brushing it off because I didn't feel comfortable talking to my boss about my inefficiency during the actual regular workday and how that was... I just needed to go in on the weekend because there was stuff that had built up. And it wasn't the work's fault. It was my fault. It's funny, actually. I just want to point out that even there, I'm not blaming it on the work. I'm blaming it on me. Why does it need to be something that has blame? right? And in that, you'll see uh, self-judgment, which is actually, I wanted to talk today about the four horsemen of happiness. I don't really have a term for them yet. Um, if you paid attention last week, you'll see that I've been, I decided to take stock of my current understanding of personal transformation. I've got a pretty cool map up there. If you found this podcast episode through my website, you'll already have it on the page. If you found it through anywhere else, just go to leaderrising.com slash current understanding and you'll see the map there. So last episode, I talked briefly about how I think things work. Today, I want to talk briefly about what I think makes things go wrong, where it doesn't work. And so, there are four main types of things that I think get in our way as we're trying to be more productive and more happy. And those four things, which I'm calling the four horsemen of happy right now, pending a better title, which I'm sure will come along at some point, 
So these, these four horsemen are one, numbing. Two, perfectionism. Three, worry. And four, the tyranny of happy. I led with that story about me as a younger lawyer because I think it really shows the worry in action. I was so worried about the emails I might get in and being focused on responding quickly that I lost sight of the forest for the trees. I was focused on responding to individual emails without realizing the impact that it was having on my actual ability to do my work. People will forgive you for responding later than they want if every time you respond, you are thorough, diligent, and you do a effing fantastic job. And this constant worry was getting in my way of doing that. So yeah, I was being timely, but it wasn't nearly as good as it would have been had I just turned shit off. There's a button in Outlook that you can press to stop emails from coming in. That, for me, has done a ton of heavy lifting in terms of actually helping me get over my worry. Because as soon as I hit that button, there's no email that's going to come in. I've made that decision that I'm going to take as long as I take to actually get work done. And I'm able to concentrate and actually get work done. Now, most of the time, I only do that for 30 or so minutes, which anybody expecting a response in less than 30 minutes should probably be calling you. The other of the horsemen that I think was shown there was perfectionism. So the interesting thing about worry is that it can actually be adaptive in terms of outcomes and actions. So when you look at my example, for instance, I thought that the thing that mattered, I guess the most in a way, was responding right away, being really on top of your email. And I think I thought that because people kept highlighting that fact. Of course, they were probably just assuming you all knew that the quality of work needed to come first. And I'm sure if you'd asked me at the time, I would have understood that too. But at the time, I didn't really see it as an either-or because other people were able to do both. So that worry of making sure that I was responsive was adaptive, or at least trying to be. The other thing that's happened a lot with me is numbing. You know, I, I notice when I'm anxious, I'll eat something. I've often used either food or, or drink, like pop, really. As a, as a concentration aid. If I'm having trouble concentrating, just bust out some snacks and start eating and I'm able to keep focused. And I think it's because it's helping numb me, which helps deal with the anxiety. But there's lots of other numbing. So eating for me has always been the big one. But I have a friend who numbs with work. She uses work to push away having to deal with all of the other issues in her life. I know lots of people who numb through social media and pick up their phone and scroll, and heaven knows I've done that too. Uh, at various times, I've been addicted to Facebook and Instagram. And I know other people who've done this with exercise and TV. It really can be anything. Brene Brown talked about it in The Gifts of Imperfection, where she said, I used to think that numbing was a bad thing. Now I've realized we all numb to a certain extent. The real issue is when you numb so much, it gets in the way of a wholehearted life. And I have found that I do do that because I don't actually face my feelings. I avoid them. But when I avoid them, they compound. And then there's the avoiding behaviors that in turn drive worse feelings. Um, so that often doesn't work out very well for me. Perfectionism and the tyranny of happy are the two other horsemen that I haven't talked about yet. 
The thing about perfectionism is we often think it's really good. You know, we often credit it with a lot of our success. Well, yeah, I'm really good because I'm so focused on the quality of my work because I'm a perfectionist. And especially as a young lawyer, we almost wear it as a badge of honor. But it isn't really, actually. Perfectionism is a standard we can't attain. So inevitably, we end up beating ourselves up for not being perfect because we can never be perfect. And in fact, um, Brittany Brown says this best, that we think that perfectionism is a shield that keeps us safe from criticism for the most part, for, or maybe from being unloved or something, or unworthy. So we think it's a shield that keeps us safe, but really it's the heavy armor that's stopping us from being able to fly. The last one I talk about is the tyranny of happy. It really f***s with our expectations for our life. So... This is another one I'm intimately familiar with. I was told as a kid, love what you do and you'll never work another day in your life. And I thought that would be amazing. I would love to love what I do and I would love to not work. This is great. And yet the reality of it is that life isn't like that. So it gives us unrealistic expectations, which means... It gives us expectations that aren't often met. And when our expectations aren't met, that's generally when we're dissatisfied. Now, being dissatisfied is not conducive to also being happy. So in a way, telling us that this is possible, hey, love what you do and you'll never work another day, ends up putting us further away from that reality. The other thing that I think is interesting and that I'm exploring is I think there might be a connection between people who are chasing this happiness, who are under the tyranny of happy, and how it they tackle discomfort. Work can often be boiled down to discomfort. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Whether you're doing something you don't want to do, you're worried about it, it it's uncomfortable. The way that stepping into an ice-cold shower is uncomfortable, and going for a long run can be uncomfortable. It can be really uncomfortable. And if you, if, when, you make it through it, it can also be incredibly rewarding. But if you expect to never work again, then you're going to feel that discomfort and you're going to put up your hand and be like, oh, something's wrong here. Something's wrong. My food isn't cooked enough. Something needs to change. When really, it isn't that the food needs more cooking. It's that you need to just eat it and enjoy it. So which one of these four do you think most shows up in your life? Is it excessive numbing? Is it a commitment to perfectionism? Is it worry that undermines you? Or is it this tyranny of happy, which messes with your expectations and increases your dissatisfaction? Anyway, I would love to hear what you think about this. So please let me know. Drop me a line, leaderrising.com slash contact, or reach out to me on the socials, although I'm not on there every day. So it might take a little bit for me to get back to you. Until next time, dream big and live bigger. Peace.